everyone. Welcome to the Bonafide Legal Podcast. I'm your host, Florence Brummer. I'm a mother, a wife, a grandmother, a movie enthusiast, a fan of a great deal, restaurant lover, follower of many television shows, self-proclaimed fashionista, and overall in love with popular culture. Besides all this, I'm a lawyer. I've been a lawyer for 22 years, and throughout my practice, I struggle day by day to find balance between work and life. I don't have the magic answer on how to balance life in the law and life outside the law, but over the years I've developed tips for living my best life and enjoying work and enjoying time off. This podcast, I'm going to talk about being your client's favorite. I'm going to start, I'm going to skip around a little bit. Usually I just, I recap my last two weeks, um, but I kind of have two topics today. So I'm going to talk about my first topic and that is being your client's favorite. And I came up with this topic. And first of all, let me apologize if I sound weird. My throat is kind of swollen. <laughs> and I feel okay, but it's just sore. So I think I'm just run down. I've had a difficult, um, not really difficult, but busy, which makes it difficult. Last couple of weeks, uh, both personal and uh, professionally just busy, busy, and I think I'm just getting run down. And hopefully, as I record this, it's Sunday morning, and I'm really looking forward to kind of hunkering down in my room and maybe taking a long bath, drinking a lot of coffee. So I'm definitely trying to recharge today. But my topic of how to be your client's favorite, I was thinking about the movie Elf as we leave Halloween and we're um, going towards Christmas. We're not to Thanksgiving yet, so I try not to push it too <laughs> quickly. Um, I always find that if I'm like too into Christmas before Thanksgiving, when Christmas actually comes, I'm kind of burned out. And last year, we didn't put up our tree until about like December 10th, like the second week of December, it actually um, made Christmas feel a little bit more special. Many years I put it up Thanksgiving weekend, and by Christmas, I'm so tired of seeing it. Like I don't want to see it anymore. And I'm practically taking it down after the presents are open. I'm starting to box up ornaments and put decorations away on the 25th and 26th of December. But when it was, when I put my tree up later, when the 25th and 26th rolled around, it still was brand new and I wasn't ready for it to go. And I think I kept it up till New Year's. In any event, I was thinking about the movie Elf. And if you haven't seen it, go out and see it immediately. It probably is my favorite Christmas movie or second um, favorite. It's it's just such a good movie. And Will Ferrell, of course, is playing Elf. And he um, starts working in this department store as a department store elf. And he's not even getting paid. Like he doesn't, the people just think he works there and he just starts working there. And uh, he's smiling, and his boss says, why are you smiling? He goes, smiling's my favorite. And the boss says, make work your favorite. Work's your favorite. And there's just a million moments like that in Elf. But anyways, I thought, how do you be your client's favorite? So I had just a couple of tips. One is uh, being available. And I'm really available to my clients. And if they don't think that I am... <laughs> I that to me is amazing because unless I am where I cannot call you back, I am calling you back. My goal at the end of the day is to get through my messages. In fact, Thursday was this insane day, just insane, where the calls were coming in every second. I had out of the office appointments and in office appointments. And I was in the office till about 545. And then I ran home and had to do a I'm on a, a board of a nonprofit uh, medical association. And there's a board meeting every month and I attend by zoom. And I um, attended, uh, you know, like ran home and attended. So I was on the phone and doing meetings from 830 in the morning 
until 7 p.m. And then after my board meeting, I actually got a call from a client uh, who needed to talk to me. Very, very good client. And I went in my room and I flopped on my bed. (laughs) And I did this thing where I kept up my voice levels. So it sounded, I think at least it did. I felt like I sounded like I was sitting at a desk and was highly alert. And I was alert to everything he was saying, of course. But I was just flopped over. I was so exhausted. So I am just very available. Like You, you know, you're going to get emails back from me. You're going to get calls back from me. Even opposing counsel um, notice it from me. The, you know, there's so many times that they thank me for my calls back so quickly. And, I, and in my mind, it's just, it's easier and uh, better if I can just get through the phones and the emails. And I've, I've had this issue before where um, I've talked about, you know, when you're on the phone and you're doing emails, your other projects you really can't get to. And so um, I just try to make some time in the morning and on weekends um, to work on my actual projects. Um, Sometimes I'll just go for a breakfast and get out of the office so I'm not hit with the emails and the phone calls. And it's a struggle day by day, but being available is very, very important. And for lawyers who get bar complaints, that's probably one of the number one bar complaints is that people hire their attorney and then they never hear from them. I can't imagine that because really that feels more stressful to me. And I understand getting busy. You know, I have been so busy and I have just found ways to do um, phone calls in like little pockets of time. Uh, the other morning I was getting ready and and I've done this before and and Apple products are really good for this. Like Apple products have really helped me. And I have the AirPods and I fought against getting AirPods and when my daughter got a laptop there was a special where you got free airpods and I said um you know would you mind if I if I took those I really think they might help me like people really rave about them and I thought because I just figured if I'm going to be on headphones if I'm wired up that's fine well first of all the sound on the airpods is unbelievable I don't think that people realize that I'm on those. Um, there's not terrible noise. Um, you know, on the wired ones, I think you get a lot of the microphone like banging against your body. You don't get any of that. It's very flawless. And it really, really is convenient to not have that wire. Like you don't have to be tethered to your phone. So I, um, started using them and I use them quite a bit. And something that I'll do is when I'm um, putting my makeup and jewelry on in the morning, I'll get in like two or three calls very quickly. And, um, you know, sometimes in the morning I'll put those in and as I'm just kind of gathering my stuff up, doing something quick on my laptop before I go into the office, get in two or three calls. And the more calls that I can knock out, the better. Another thing I try to do to be my client's favorite is just being cheerful. And I've told this story before, but what I used to do in the past when I had a meeting, I was always so frazzled. And in my office, um, since since, uh, I told this story, things have been moved around a little bit, but still the same thing. In my, the way my office used to be set up, I would go from my office to the conference room and you turn this corner, you turn this corner by the copier. And when I would walk into the office, into the conference room, I would always be so frazzled. And clients would be like, how are you? And I'd be like, oh, I have all these calls, I have all this stuff, da, da, da. And um, probably reflecting that stress onto them. So what I realized was, When I'm there, I really, I need to focus on them. And I was focusing on them, of course, but I also had these outward stresses, which I'm sure stressed them out. 
So what I used to do and, and still do is now from my office to the conference room, that walk, which is about 10 steps, I say, Florence, smile. And I walk into the conference room smiling and I say, how was your day? And nice to see you. And I know you wanted to talk about some estate planning and we talked about it briefly and how can I help you? Just a little interior script just to get started. And maybe my my maybe before my clients never felt anything, but I sure felt it. Where I felt like I was just rushing in like the Tasmanian devil and instead am just walking in with the intent to meet with them. I also try to remember little things about their lives and not because I'm trying to be a suck up because but because I generally enjoy knowing these things and knowing about people. It's so nice when you can talk to someone and you say, how are your grandchildren doing? Or how was your trip to Paris? Um, is your job still so stressful? Are you still so busy? Are you feeling better since you've had COVID? Like little things like that. And you're making a personal connection. And it helps you in your heart as well. Well, another thing that I do is I don't charge for everything. And I have to charge. There's just no way around it. My the way that I keep the lights on, the way that I keep employees, the way that I am able to uh, keep doing the work for clients is I have to be able to pay my bills. I have bar fees and insurances and, uh, you know, have to pay for the office. There's just so many expenses that are associated with being a lawyer that I think a lot of people don't really realize. It just seems like, oh, it's your time. So it isn't worth anything. Well, the only way that I can keep doing this is if I'm like charging, but there's plenty of times where someone calls me and they'll ask a question and my answer is yes. <laughs> and it's been a 30 second call. I won't charge for that or I'll, I'll put it on the bill and I'll put no charge because I like to keep notes of it. And doing it on the invoices is a good way um, where I can say client called and asked about something, no charge. And I think that's just like a little bit of a, uh, a, a kindness to the clients. Like, you know, I'm not going to nickel and dime you. Again, it, I do understand it's expensive to have an attorney and it's the bills add up and especially when you're in litigation, but I, I at least I hope that every once in a while if a client gets a bill and they see that there's, you know, a no charge on there, that that lets them know that they can come to me and not be nickel and dimed. Another thing, another time I won't charge is, you know, say I had like a giant litigation case with a client. We're all done with it. You know, they're not getting monthly bills anymore. And just out of the blue, they call me. And maybe we talk for 10 minutes. And I could send them a bill, you know, for that time. But if it's a bill for that amount and we don't have anything else going on, I try not to send a bill to a client that, you know, is $30. Um, again, to show them I'm not nickeling and diming you. Diming you. You, have, you know, we had this big project. You, you paid me. It was great. We finished it up. And now when you're calling me and you have, you know, just need to chat for 10 minutes, that you're not going to get a bill for that. Because I do appreciate the, the very, very large business they've given me before. I also try to give them a little something personal about myself. Again, because it's just nice to connect with people personally, especially after COVID obviously. And I might tell a little joke, uh, mention my family, um, throw in a movie I saw lately, just something like that. And years ago, when I first started practicing law, I don't think I ever gave that. And I try not to be get like too, too personal. Um, because the, the attorney-client relationship is really, really about them. But I think people do generally like to know a little bit of something about you. And when I first started practicing law, the first several years, 
a couple of people were telling me, like if something came out where I said something, and this is probably before, this is before I had my third child. So I had my two younger daughters. And I would say something like, oh, you know, my two kids, my husband, something like that. And we had known each other for a while. The, um, the client and I would know each other for a while. And several times I got back the statement that, oh, I just figured you were single, working all the time, <laughs> you know, didn't have a family connection, uh, wasn't dating anyone. They just had this image of me sort of like a, Miranda from Sex in the City, just a attorney being single, working all the time, no ties. When I had all the ties in the world, you know, I had a house and two little kids and then later a third child and a husband for a long time and, and people just didn't know that about me. Okay, so that's topic number one for the day. I wanted to give you just an update of what has happened to me in the last two weeks. So I went out to LA and I was on the podcast, The Film Vault again. It was so much fun. If you have a chance, please listen. The topic that we did was top five corpses, which is, I know that sounds a little bit morbid, but it was a really fun topic. The amount of corpses in movies is endless. Like once you start thinking of it, you can, you, they just keep coming and coming and coming. But just to uh, listen to the episode, um, please. But my number one corpse, I'll give you my number two and my number one. My number two was um, uh, Tina from Nightmare on Elm Street. And number one was Jane Doe from The Autopsy of Jane Doe. And so uh, Brian and Anderson each had their top five corpses. And then the listeners wrote in other corpses. And it was so fun, especially the week of Halloween, to talk about this. So if you have a chance to listen, listen. I want to share my travels a little bit. So I went on a Tuesday to record on Tuesday night. So I took an early afternoon flight to make sure that I had plenty of time. And then I was coming home in the afternoon. I also brought work um, because I was planning to do work. I was traveling by myself. So I was just using that quiet time to get through some transcripts. I have a pretty big appeal that I'm working on. I've had appeals where I've actually had a month, uh, where it was a month-long trial, and I would have um, you know, 30 transcripts for the 30 trial days, plus all the pre-trial. So I'd have like 45 or 50 transcripts to read. This isn't as much. This is a three-day trial, but a lot packed into the three days and a lot of pre-trial transcripts. And I've just been having some time getting through it, just having that time to sit down with them. So I brought transcripts to um, read at the airport and on the plane and in my hotel room. And so I brought work and went, um, my flight was like a one o'clock, which puts me in LA closer to three. By the time I get to the hotel, it's four. I had to be at the studio at seven. And I, so I have plenty of time, you know? So I get to the airport and I get a message that says your flight is going to be delayed 15 minutes. No big deal. Then I get a text and when you, um, I flew American and I'm all signed up through all their notifications and their uh, notifications are on my watch. So it comes through to my watch. And then I get a notification that says your flight is back at the original time. And all that was fine because I was just in the lounge, which was next to the gate. So no big deal. But they did sort of announce that like very, very close to the time of takeoff which I thought was crazy. <laughs> it was like, well, what if people were, you know, they planned on that. So they, whatever, you know, took a stroll to another terminal or something else and weren't as close because they figured they had this extra 15 or 20 minutes. Anyways, I gather up my stuff. I go to the gate and the guy scans my ticket and then he throws it in the garbage. And he says, you don't have a seat on this flight. <laughs> and I, I said, first of all, my baggage claim ticket is on the ticket you just threw away. So he fished it out of the garbage. And then he said, stand over there. You don't have a seat on this flight. So I'm panicking because I'm going for an evening 
for the purpose of recording at a certain time. And um, I don't even know if I'm getting on this flight. Like at this point, I don't know if I'm getting on this flight. And as I'm standing there, they're letting in just a mass of humanity just going by, getting on the plane. And someone, you know, finally tells me, well, they went to a smaller plane. And I was supposed to be flying in first class. And it was um, a f- like a $35 difference to go from coach to first class. And so when I booked my ticket, I thought, well, why not? You know, the bigger seat, I can spread out with my work a little bit. And this will be great. So I'm just standing there like, I don't know what's happening. Finally, the this very, very nice employee for American comes over. She's like, I'm so, so sorry. They went to a smaller plane, so there's not as many first class seats. And I was in, in the original plane, there were six rows of first class. And I was in the third. And a man next to me said, he got booted from first class and he said, oh, I should have booked a seat in the first three rows if I would have known that they were getting rid of rows five and six. I said, it didn't matter because I was in the first three rows. And he was like, oh my gosh, okay. So we're just standing there and then finally she gives me a seat for a ticket and put me in the bulkhead of um, of coach, so the first row. And personally, I hate that seat. I know there's extra leg room, but I'm pretty short, so it doesn't really matter to me. And also, you can't keep your bag with you. They make you keep it above. But overall, it ended up being nice. Oh, and on top of it, so they credited the ticket where, you know, they took off the $35 um, for uh, the first class ticket. And credited that back to me and gave me a voucher for $300 to use on my next flight. So I'm like, well, okay, I just made 300 bucks here. That's okay. And then in the seats, um, no one sat in the middle seat. So I was able to spread out for work. And the man on the end, um, and I ended up in a window seat, which I usually hate. But because there was no one in the middle, it actually was just very roomy and nice. I think that's usually where I hate the but I hate the window because you have someone in the middle and then you're like shoved against the window. And I always try to give that middle person more room because the middle seat stinks. And so I'm always pressed against the window, but I didn't have to do that. And also the seats were like incredibly roomy for coach. They were like hard uh, sides on the seats. So you had like a little pod that you were sitting in almost. And then the, the man who sat in the aisle seat, super friendly, got my bag during the flight. Um, so I was able to have access to my bag and work. He put it up after the flight. He was on his way to Disneyland to see his wife and child. And we just chatted and it was very, very nice. So like no problem. So I go to the hotel, get to LA, go to the hotel and, um, check in. I order dinner in cause I don't have time to go out eat a great dinner, go over to the studio and record with Brian and Anderson. We recorded for three and a half hours and it was so fun. I I was laughing and laughing. We did the top five corpses and then also recorded five segments called Red Light, Green Light, where I pitch shows to the guys and they red light or green light them. I've become very competitive about this where I'm trying to get them to green light everything. And um, when they red light it, I'm very like disgruntled and disappointed. I have nothing to do with these movies. I'm not in movies. Um, it's, it's just a weird reaction, but it was super fun. And I had a ton of movies to pitch them and they're going to take the red light, green light seg- segments and spread them out over the next several months. So if you listen, you'll probably hear me here and there uh, through the spring. Um, so just a great time. So the next morning I get up, I order in breakfast to the room, like how luxurious. I will say, um, just as a tip, like most hotels don't have room service now. So when I saw they had room service, I was very pleasantly surprised. But they bring you the food like in a a takeout bag and everything is in takeout containers rather than rolling in the tray into your room. 
So um, it was just a step closer to getting back to that. And for some reason, having um, coffee and breakfast in my room in the morning when I'm by myself, it just feels like the greatest luxury to me. I highly recommend it if you're ever traveling by yourself, like treat yourself to that because you just have some time to uh, relax and read and it's just nice. So one thing that happened was um, I they didn't have, a lot of hotels have uh, the internet TV where you can put in your Netflix or whatever. This just had regular TV. And I put on the FX channel because they were having a Halloween marathon and they were playing really, really fun movies. So they were playing um, Get Out and Us, uh, the Jordan Peele movies, which I love both of them. And it's, for some reason, it's Get Out it doesn't end up on like any streaming platforms, although I guess it's because it's getting played on rotation on FX. But um, I hadn't seen it in a while. And that movie is a movie that um, really works with repeated viewings. The first time I saw it, I liked it a lot and thought it was great. But the second time and third time, I got so much more out of it. And Then one time I watched it with my husband and he watched it for the first time and he just enjoyed it so much that I was even enjoying it more. So I'm watching these two movies and um, Get Out was the day before and then Us was as I was leaving. So I was playing Us and it has these very, very creepy parts where there's basically duplicates of yourself that are trying to kill you. And I just had it playing while I went into the shower to get ready. And I took a late shower because I was just enjoying the morning. I was able to stay at the hotel till right at checkout, right at noon, and then head to the airport. So I was just milking my time in this hotel. And I get in the shower, and luckily I thought to, you know, do that little latch where the door can't open. And while I was in the shower and while us was playing on the TV, the door is like someone trying to open it. And it was housekeeping. And I will tell you, I have a pet peeve about this. Housekeeping, every time I go to a hotel, they come into your room. This time they came in like 1045. So that was later. But I have had times on days of checkout where they're trying to come in at 8.30 in the morning. And a lot of times on the last day, I'm trying to sleep in a little bit or I have a flight I'm getting ready for. And and you're not ready to leave and you're enjoying the room and someone's trying to come in. So I don't know. You know, even when I've had like the do not disturb on, they've tried to come in. I understand they have work they need to do to get done. Um but it's really, really annoying. And it, I was really startled because I had this mute, this movie with this um, scary movie, play, scary music playing in the background. And I'm like, what's going on? Okay, so then I go to the airport. I had court on um, Tuesday and Wednesday, the two days that I was traveling, which I did from my cell phone which is great. I have to tell you that that is one of the greatest things about this time period is that the courts are taking a lot of these um, initial meetings, these status conferences, where I in the past could drive for two or more hours, uh, you know, there and back. Big charges for the clients because they have to pay for the travel. And now they're getting charged for 12 minutes instead of two and a half hours adding in the travel. I think it's making legal services much more accessible to people because if you have a court hearing that just has a ton, a court case that has a ton of hearings and you have to go to court every single time, that's really, really expensive. I do have um, a hearing in Navajo County, physically in Navajo County next week where it's about four hours for me to get to it. So I'm leaving at nine in the morning and I'll get home about 9 p.m. It's actually a long trial. So in any event, um, I did one of my second hearing I did at the airport lounge um, for American. And it was great. Like you can get a lot of work done. I worked the whole time during this trip. 
So it was wonderful to have the super fun thing that I was going to do, but then also get work done, which of course helps pay for the trip. Okay, um, I'm going to talk about Halloween a little bit. It a great Halloween weekend, super, super busy. Um, I, I have to throw in a cute grandson story, although I don't know, it's a little bratty, so I don't know if anyone will think it's that cute. But my grandson Adam is two and a half, and this kid doesn't stop talking. He says every single dinosaur that you can imagine, like dozens of dinosaurs, and he knows all these cars, very, very, very boy stuff. And he loves to play outside. And we have this little area that we call the courtyard. And it just has this, you know, small bit of patio furniture and a ton of toys. Like both of the baby's toys are out there. And this year has been horrible for mosquitoes. I think we're, we're maybe finally over the hump because the nights are getting cold enough. But we're still having 90 degree days and it is the first week of November. I think this week it's finally going to go down from there. But when you have a 90 degree day, by the time it's that hot, you, you get, you're, you're still having mosquitoes. So we had the kids outside and mosquitoes were starting to come. So we get everybody inside and Adam is just trying to open the door and go back outside. And he goes, this is my courtyard. <laughs> and I just kept laughing at him. I said, you don't even have any money. How do you have a courtyard? And I've been saying that to him for two weeks now, where I keep going, this is my courtyard. <laughs> I think he's so sick of it. But in any event, I thought it was funny. So um, Halloween, I love Halloween. We've been watching Halloween movies the whole month. They're on all of the streaming services. And then on Halloween was on a Sunday. And then on Friday night, we went to a trunk or treat in our town. And there's always two ways these things go. Either it is the lamest thing in the world. And you're like, why am I here? There's no candy. You can't walk around. This is terrible. Or you go and it's just lovely. And before we went, uh, we went out to eat at IHOP because they were having free scary face pancakes for the kids. So we just got, um, you know, a small little meal, got some coffee, and then we went to the trunk or treat. And of course, um, when I get there, it's going to sound crazy, but probably my favorite food in the world is a quesadilla. Like I love a quesadilla. And when we pull up, there's a quesadilla food truck. And I'm like, you have to be kidding. And I didn't um, order anything at IHOP. I was just kind of eating off of everyone's plates. But it was enough. So I was totally full and didn't get a quesadilla. And it was there was a car show. And all, these people had their classic cars or their muscle cars and cool lights. And they were giving out candy. And um, there were games for the kids and little pumpkins they could pick out. It just was a delight. And everybody from town was there and everybody was happy. And another funny Adam story, but there was this guy dressed as a terrifying clown. And he went up to the guy and he said, Hi, Mr. Clount. Happy Halloween, Mr. Clount. What's in here, Mr. Clount? And it was the guy's, the clown's car. And he had... Um, I don't know, like more clowns in there, <laughs> like clown dummies. And so he just, Adam wasn't scared and he just wanted to talk to this clown. I think the clown was annoyed and we had to get Adam out of there. And he is putting a T at the end of words. So he was saying clowns and Halloween. So we had this nice time. Then we went home, we put the kids to bed and ran over to the musical theater of Anthem, and they were having a haunted house to raise money, and their little kid actors were in there, and they had um, decorated, and they were acting, and it just was really, really cute. And then the next morning, I took Adam to Pioneer Village, which is near our house, like really, really near, like two minutes. And it's like, an old west town that you can walk through and they'll have 
um, you know, somebody doing uh, blacksmithing or some woodworking that you can stop and watch. They'll do little shows. But they had a trick-or-treating, and it was not crowded at all. And it was just super nice. Uh, a little hot, you know, um, another 90-degree day. Luckily, I wore a hat. Um, just was hot and went home and then got ready for a Halloween party. I was Wonder Woman. Uh, I was motivated to be Wonder Woman this year. I really felt uh, like being her and got a uh, inexpensive costume from Amazon, which wasn't half bad. And I wore a Wonder Woman wig and it was just very cool. Very, very fun. And my whole family came over. We just did family, you know, and put on some Halloween music and had pizza very low-key, chill, but super fun. It's always fun to dress up and see everybody in their costumes. And then the next day was trick-or-treating, and I dressed up again as Wonder Woman. And we took out uh, Adam, my my other daughter, um, and her son had different plans. So we took out Adam around the neighborhood. For the first time ever, I put out a bowl with candy, and I put on a, a sign that said, we are taking babies trick-or-treating please help yourself I put the thing about the babies because I thought well maybe this will prevent people from dumping the whole bowl into their bag the bowl was emptied out three times like completely emptied out I didn't care I had plenty of candy it was fine but just kind of funny and I really like answering the door on Halloween but it was uh, I didn't have anyone to answer the door you know everybody had different plans and I wanted to see my grandson when um, we went trick-or-treating so having the bowl emptied a couple of times was uh, was definitely worth it so that was Halloween all right I have another quick little thing to talk about in terms of um, time management tips and I'm getting this from my church actually they're doing a series about simplifying and managing your time. And of course it's biblical. Um, but it's very it's very centered in practical tips. And one is just to simplify. Like simplify as much as possible. Including your possessions. You know, if you're living in clutter, and I, this is for, this is me too. This is, this is for you, Florence. Like you have to do this. If I feel like I'm like surrounded by too much, too much paperwork, uh, too, too many books, too many shoes laying around, uh, if things aren't organized, that leaves me to feel like things are chaotic. Like my, the outside chaos leads to inside chaos. So just simplifying and I'm always trying to clean things up a little bit. Um, just like for instance, always trying to keep the, the kitchen clean, trying to clear off my desktop as much as possible, you know, to show like how your mind can fool with how, um, how chaotic it can get. Last night I was dreaming that my keyboard at work was sticking. So I shook it upside down and all these crumbs came out of it like piles and piles and piles of crumbs the reality is I will do this every once in a while because crumbs do get in the crumbs and dust get in the keyboard but it's never that much like you can kind of wipe it up with a tissue pretty easily but this was like mounds of crumbs coming out of this keyboard and that's showing like what's happening in my mind my mind is full of mounds of crumbs you know so um, just simplify, you know, my daughter will send in bags to thread up. And as part of it, she gets a little bit of money. So she'll keep a bag in the coat closet. And when I have something that I can add to it, I'll just throw it into the bag. And then she gets a little bit of extra money when she sends in the thread up bag. Um, I'll go through my books every once in a while and just donate some to the library. Ones that I won't read again, ones that I don't like thoroughly enjoy, 
ones that I just think are okay, ones that I'm just done with, you know, ones that I've enjoyed, but I think someone else will enjoy, I'll donate those. Another tip from this series is to take a Sabbath every week. In the Bible, God commands it. He says, you know, on the sixth, on the seventh day, there'll be rest. And God did this when he created the world. I know this is biblical. I'm not trying to, you know, push anything on you. I'm giving you the background for it. And and, and this, these are my beliefs as well. So the seventh day is a Sabbath. And if you take the seventh day to rest, relax, refresh, you can do more with six days a week than you can do with seven days a week. And I definitely find this to be true. Here is the thing about my job. I can answer emails pretty much all day, every day. I get that many emails. And maybe on the weekends, I will do a day of emails. Sunday night is usually a good day. Here's the other thing about the Sabbath. It doesn't have to be a Sunday. For lots of people um, who, who practice Christianity or Judaism, it's Saturday, but it can be any day. And there's a lot of healthcare workers and other people, restaurant workers, they work weekends. You know, they can't do a Saturday or Sunday. So pick a day and don't do work. You can still be productive. It's not like you have to lay down in bed and not do anything. But if that's what you want to do, do it. But for a lot of people on that day of Sabbath, they will do gardening because that refreshes them. They may take a really long walk or a really long run or go to a cycling class. It's still movement, but they're not working. They're doing something that clears their mind. So when they go back to work, they're fresh. So I highly recommend that. That's just a sort of a little topic thrown at the end. Wish me luck for next week. As I'm looking at next week's calendar, I am very stressed. So Monday morning, I have court and then I have meetings in the afternoon. Um, Tuesday morning, I have a couple of court hearings. And then I have a property tour in the afternoon. All day Wednesday, I'm going to be in Navajo County. And it will be a 12-hour day of driving and trial. And then Veterans Day, no court, because I can't have court. The courts are closed. That day, I'm going to try to sleep in a little bit because um, it's just a a really long Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then Friday, I'm back at it with an adoption and more meetings. So wish me luck. It's a very, very stressful week. Some things to watch or uh, stream. I watched Army of Thieves on Netflix. It is a prequel to Army of the Dead. I talked about Army of the Dead during the summer. And Army of the Dead was a big disappointment for me. It was a very bloated movie. It should have been super fun. It has a, a couple of terms in it that are sound, make it sound awesome. Um, zombie, bank heist, a zombie casino heist in Las Vegas. All of this should be super fun. It should be fast paced. It should be really cool. And it was a slog, like a lots of it. The team that was doing the casino heist should have been um, like really in a rush, you know, and instead they're kind of joking and clinking beer bottles and and the premise was they need to be in a rush. So it's not me saying, why aren't they in a rush? <laughs> like that was their premise. They had a time frame where a bomb was going to go off if they, if they weren't out of Vegas. The bomb was going off anyways, but if they remained in Vegas, they were getting blown up. And they're just taking their time, cracking jokes, you know, doing detours, like all of this. Some really cool parts in it. And... um gosh, I can't think of the comedian who was replaced, but he was a comedian that was um, accused of some sexual misconduct regarding minors. 
And so they digital this part I thought was fascinating. They digitally removed him from the movie and they had Tignataro film his scenes and they digitally inserted her. She never met the cast because she was digitally inserted. A lot of it, I didn't realize that till after I saw it because some of the scenes I was like, oh, that's weird. You can tell like they were doing this because they're inserting her. Um, like weird close-ups of her where it just seemed like she was the only one in the world. But then later I found out that she never was with the cast. And I thought, oh my gosh, like a lot of this was um, flawless. I thought they did some that was weird and then some that was where they had her, you know, redo it with the cast. And it wasn't like that at all. So in any event, this movie just wasn't as good as it could be. And Army of Thieves is the prequel to it. Still, this movie was a little long. It should have been an hour and a half. But it was the prequel to the safe cracker guy, like his kind of his origin story. Much more fun than Army of the Dead worked at a went at a faster clip than Army of the Dead and pretty good. And the safe cracker guy who was like mildly entertaining in Army of the Dead, like you saw his backstory and and he just became a more enjoyable character. So if you're looking for something kind of lightweight, that's fun. I finally finished the documentary to WeWork. I have been watching this documentary on and off for a couple of weeks and could never finish it. And not because I wasn't enjoying the heck out of it. It was right up my alley where it's like a financial disaster and a weird valuation of a company. Like WeWork at one time was valued at like $47 billion, B billion. And then basically went to bankrupt in like a day. And it was a company that was extremely overvalued. And they were when they were going to go public with their IPO, everything kind of crashed and they never ended up going public. And then the CEO, whose name is Adam, is kind of a weird guy. He had this huge vision for WeWork. He was kind of promoting it more like it was a tech company, but really what it was was shared office space. Um, I've done, I never did WeWork, but um, I did Regis before. I wanted a downtown location um, and a place where I could meet with clients downtown and I would, and and a downtown address. So I did Regis and it was, I don't know, very affordable. I can't remember what it was. Let's say $200 a month. It gave me an office several days a week. I could um, upgrade to a conference room if I needed it. I could get mail. I could get phone calls. It was very good. You know, it it worked for me. And then um, actually this was way before the pandemic, but I canceled it because it was just harder and harder for me to get there. If I had court downtown, And if I had like a morning hearing and an afternoon hearing, it was great because I had somewhere to go in the middle. But if I had, let's say, court downtown in the morning and then had to be in surprise in the afternoon, like there was no time for me to go to that office. And then so to try to book appointments at that office and actually book being there, it became more of a hassle where I just figured it was, and it did become easier. It was just easier to have a downtown, um, I'm sorry, have my one and only location and keep it simple. And if people wanted to find me an Anthem, they could find me. And it's worked out great. But if I ever need a location like that, I always thought I could go back to one of those. So it's not a concept that is unknown or, um, you know, highly original. It's something that's been around for a while. But WeWork had this I'm kind of doing air quotes as I do this. It had a vision that it was going to be like people working together that, you know, I would be there, say, being an attorney, and then I would meet someone who was a CPA, and we could do referrals and, you know, and it was like this community of working. And then they would have these big festivals, uh, like music and 
and it was almost a little cultish <laughs> the way that you watch the documentary at least that's how it's portrayed and it, it really focused on young people so not really focused on me as an old person attorney but on young people who might be filmmakers or web designers or into online marketing and then they would all meet and could collaborate like that was the the vision and these we work spaces were really 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 cool looking uh, lots of glass very modern cool furniture beer on tap lots of snacks and as I was watching it I'm like this whole build out costs a fortune <laughs> like this is so expensive but they were pouring money into it because they really wanted to have it be really cool but they were hemorrhaging money so anyways it talks about the financial downfall and then um this guy Adam is eventually booted out as CEO and the company still exists, I guess, but in a much different fashion. So anyways, as a documentary, I really liked it's on Hulu. Um, it, it's only an hour and a half. Please do not take that the fact that it took me several watches to get through it. I've just been exhausted. I'm exhausted every night. I did get to go to the movies last night one of my goals for this weekend was I just wanted to sit in a movie theater and my sister-in-law and I went and we saw last night in Soho, a movie that I liked. I don't want to say I didn't love it, but it was enjoyable. It had a very twisty plot, very mind bending. And the ending was just a bit, I don't know. It like wrapped it up in a bow which is fine, I guess, but also in a way that didn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, I'm probably not selling this movie. I do. I did like it. You might want to wait for it to um, get released on, on streaming rather than going to the movies. I wanted to see The Eternals, but it's almost three hours long. And I really, really was excited about Last Night in Soho. It came out during Halloween week and for a scary movie it was either this one or Antlers and last night in Soho seemed very stylized and fun it was very stylized and very cool looking a lot of um, references and views of the 1960s London uh, a really um, adorable lead actress and and I'm probably messing up her name, Anna Taylor-Joy, who is a really good actress, was in it. Um, and she as Sandy and very mysterious. And then her story gets, you know, you figure out her story in the end when it's revealed. So thank you so much for listening. I'll be back in two weeks with a new topic. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes under Florence Legally Brunette Bonafide Legal Podcast. You can also find me on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram under Florence Legally Brunette. You can find me on Facebook under my name and under my law office. My website is brummerlaw.com. And the podcast is on Patreon as well. Thank you so much. And I will be back in a couple of weeks with a new topic. Thanks. Bye-bye.